I'm gonna trick former guest Ben into making us theme song. That's it. Okay. Better, closer, warmer. Uh, all modern art is communistic. I want to be the first man to nut in space. Fuck you. Fuck off. Where are we finding it? Why can't we Better, find it? Closer, Why do you guys warmer. keep saying all this change? We're playing Fortnite. Let's have fun. We need to get to that post-World War II mentality where Better, closer, no one in the warmer. world is going to Twitch and typing in climate first. Don't tweet us about how our stuff's inaccurate. At this point, I don't think the N-word tape would change anything. The piss tape might. From New Orleans to New York. It's the Alenios Podcast, baby. Dude, that was TNT. Welcome back to the Alenials Podcast. I'm Smith. I'm Seth. And we are here uh, again doing this, doing the podcast thing we do together. Yep. It's been it's been a week, Seth. It's been a little bit of a week. It has been a week since we have sat down in our professional studio and mm-hmm. recorded an hour of us talking. Absolutely, it has been. A, it is all those things you said are true. It's been a week. We've had we have a professional studio we work out of. Yes, uh, and we definitely put the highest production quality into into everything we do. Yes. Fun fact: Ben is our producer. We just don't let mm-hmm. him talk on the show. He's in yeah. the room all the time. He's right we there. Just don't let him talk. Yeah. <laughs> what was that? Shut up. <laughs> you shut your fucking mouth, or yeah. Uh, oh my god, where's the muzzle? <laughs> I actually was talking to a listener today who said that they uh, they bought some like really cheap uh, wireless headphones, and listening to our podcast through that makes us sound like a couple of uh, like rebels uh, speaking through through tin cans in the jungle. And I'm trying you to think get so. better wireless headphones. Well, I'm, but I'm thinking maybe we should alter our podcast recording practices to sound like we are mountain Maoists, like giving dispatches from 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 the front. You know, that is true. But then imagine how weird it would sound to that one listener. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, man! It would sound like I don't even know what it would sound like. Some like a recording yeah. they recorded off the goddamn Titanic, like a fucking uh, one of those like a uh, music cylinders or some shit. Yeah, exactly. And it would just be us saying. Calm or something. <laughs> Dick fart poo poo. Uh, <laughs> today, capitalism uh, is a, a fuck. We don't like it. Yeah. After so many episodes, that's kind of all we can say sometimes. It generally is. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think we're a bit one note, but we need to keep talking about it because people do not seem to get in the message. I'm still not seeing the mass movement of leftists. Uh, that's like, true. There's getting to be a violent revolution in our streets, <laughs> unless because, I missed it. Uh, because as we know, uh, politics flows from podcasts. Podcasts get a <laughs> politics, and uh, it's all organized around what we say. So we gotta get we gotta get on this. Yeah, exactly. People, podcasts are synonymous with society right now, and people listen to everyone listens to podcasts all the time. They make so much money. And they produce so much uh, quality for the world that I just can't imagine not having a podcast. That is true. What was my life before I had a podcast? It was pretty empty. Oh my god. Before I had a podcast, my, I had for one hour every week I was doing nothing. <laughs> you just stared at a wall. I was. I was just staring. I'm like, man, capitalism sucks. I wish I had some way to let this into the world. <laughs> Uh, no, what it is, you should take it as your fan. Capitalism sucks. This is an original thought no one's ever had before. Exactly. I need to start a podcast about it. 
I think I might have, I might be onto something here. Mm-hmm. Then Definitely. I saw Sorry to Bother You, and I'm like, fuck. <laughs> See, I knew it for a long time. Oh, man. Do you follow uh, Boots Riley on Twitter? Uh, he's Sadly, he's not an NBA player, so no. He is, uh, he is what we call extremely online. And his current project has been to tweet about uh, Venezuela. And mm-hmm. I've never seen someone who, ha- who, is, who is, you know, a uh, you know, verified Twitter user and whatnot, who has a life and a career and things to actually do, who tweets as, as determinedly and as doggedly as Boots Riley does about anything. Yeah, and he replies to people, which is, I mean, I don't think it's a good idea, but if you have the heart for it, I guess. I mean, he, I do it because I enjoy making fun of people. I enjoy trolling them on Twitter and making them read pee-pee doo-doo and stuff like that. Yes, but you're a know-nothing nobody who no one cares about. So. <laughs> I'm a freak loser. I have never yes. made a movie or an album or anything. <laughs> exactly. So so Boots Riley quote-tweeting every single moron who comes to talk to him is incredible. I don't know how he has time for it. That's what I'm saying. Like, I love I love the guy. But man, he must have some pretty nice schedule. <laughs> well, I think he's making uh he's doing something with Guillermo del Toro. Did you see that? Yeah, they are. I heard, I saw that other day. He's doing an episode of Del Toro's new horror HBO show or whatever. Yeah. Big and Little Lies. That's it. That's the one. Yeah. Um I also think he may be he may be doing an episode of the Twilight Zone reboot thing as well. I can't remember. That, that. would be awesome. Yeah, pretty cool. I would, I think, I would love to see what he could do with that. Isn't Jordan Peele doing that? Jordan Peele's the host, yeah, and I'm pretty sure he's like the producer too. Okay, yeah, I figured he was involved somehow because I mean he tweeted about it to begin with. So yeah, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward, dude. I'm looking forward to the return of like the hour long standalone horror uh, sci fi type thing. Yeah, I mean, there's no there's no thing called Black Mirror, but yeah. <laughs> Well, Black Mirror, Black Mirror follows British uh, television release schedule, which is once every when they feel like it. Yeah. It's like every every once in a while, we'll just yeah, drop well, a season or, of Black Mirror. Yeah, now it's on a Netflix schedule, which is still the same thing. They're just like, whenever he wants to write more, we'll make more. <laughs> so, yeah. And but yeah, more I TV think... shows are doing that now. Like, in America, it used to be you put out a season every year or you were canceled. There was mm-hmm. no anything. But, but now shows, like... Westworld and Game of Thrones and all these big shows are taking a year, year and a half off before they do another season, and it's like becoming more commonplace to like have a big break. Okay. Which is, yeah, I mean, love it or hate it. I mean, as long as the show is good, who cares? And I will say that the the backlash to Black Mirror means that there's probably it's probably time for something new to swoop in and take that spot, or not take it, but like you know diversify the field because what's the backlash? A lot of folks just don't like Black Mirror. I think it's uh, dumb or that it, it, the, I think the, <clears throat> I'm sorry, that the complaints are mostly that it thinks it's smarter than it actually is. Mm. Like I think someone one time, I can't remember where I heard this, but they, they distilled down the entire premise of Black Mirror into a single statement. What if your cell phone was your dad? <laughs> yeah. Well, if your mom was a mobile, you know, yeah. basically that's, that's it. That's the whole premise of Black Mirror. Yeah. Um, which is, or, or another one was, what if technology but too much? Yeah, and it's actually, it's, it's funny because they're also, so there's, there's Black Mirror, 
There's the new mm-hmm. Twilight Zone. There was, I don't know how good it was. It wasn't very successful. There was Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams on Amazon Prime, mm-hmm. which helped, helped, did the same thing, anthology series. And then YouTube is now doing this show called Weird City, which, while it does have a narrative, it kind of follows the same tropes as um, Black Mirror, like kind of the like dangers of technology, but it's also a comedy. Also mm-hmm. produced by Jordan Peele. Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah. So a bunch of weird stuff in that space are coming out all at the same time. I gotta say, the whole genre of what a technology but too much is kind of is kind of like missing me at this point because we're already living in that world. Like we already live in the yeah. world of technology but too we much. We live more. in that world, but it's more boring and just it's milk toast. It's like oh, yeah. yeah, like Alexa is a scary thing that exists. But you see, but everyone uses it, and they all have commercials. They're like, "Oh, hey, Alexa, set my timer for this." It's not, you know, what it actually is, which is there's a robot that is listening to every word you say in your house at all times. Yeah, it's fucked up, dude. Yeah. And it's all controlled by a bald man who apparently likes sending dick pics. Have you heard about this? Yes, Jeff Bezos. Um, I didn't hear about the size. But I do hope the I do hope that one it's very small and two the pictures get released to the public. Seth Seth's main concern is, but how's the dick though? Yes, one it's for a guy to have that much money, mm-hmm. he's got to have a small dick. Mm-hmm. Unless he had, like dick enlargement surgery, which we can always tell because like honestly, dick enlargement surgery they just put like a piece of PVC pipe in your dick. Can you do that? Yeah, you can actually. Really? They, they just put a piece of PVC pipe in your dick and it's long. So you're just always hard. Yeah, basically. Okay. Well. Um, but he's got to have a small dick. Mm-hmm. And we have to know. Like, oh, it's yeah. not fair that Anthony Weiner gets his dick pic shown everybody, but Jeff mm-hmm. Bezos doesn't? Yeah, Come it's on. like. It's like. I remember somebody posted that scene from. I think it was the Dark Knight when the when the guys like trying to blackmail uh, uh, Bruce Wayne and you know Lucius Fox has this whole thing about yeah you want to blackmail this person and I mean for, fuck you like <laughs> that sucks don't be don't be bringing fucking movies into this shit like Jeff Bezos is, is is an asshole or whatever but also it's like why wouldn't you try and blackmail the richest person in the world they're the richest person in the world yeah what what do they have to lose. Like, if if you he got lost half of picks, his money, he'd still have more money than everyone. That's true. So I, I have, I feel no sympathy for Jeff Bezos, and yet I also too would like to see the dick. Yes. Send I, me I, the, the best hog. thing is, I bet the dick looks just like him. <laughs> That's the best part. It's a big old smooth head on it. <laughs> Exactly. It probably looks... I mean, that's how I think all bald guys are. Like, The Rock, his dick probably looks like him. It's probably just as muscular. <laughs> it's just a smaller version of The Rock with his face yeah, and everything down there. Exactly. Oh. Actually. Uh-huh. We, I, once, listeners, I promise we're going to talk about actual news in a second. Yeah. We, we talk about one other thing real quick. Speaking of things that have faces on them, have you seen Will Smith as the genie in Aladdin? I have seen the blue man, Yes. What do you? I just want to hear what your opinion on it is. It it's disturbing and it's troubling, and I question the wisdom of the people who are making this movie now. Okay, but I also have this question: It's it's mm-hmm. a, what did we expect Will Smith in as a live action genie to look like? 
I thought that he would just be Will Smith wearing uh, the genie's clothes, and they, they would not paint him blue. So you thought it would just be Will Smith with feet and everything, just walking around being a genie? Yeah, exactly. He wouldn't do any of the cool flying in the air stuff that the genie, that the Robin Williams genie did. Oh, I mean, he could do that, but I just thought I just figured he wouldn't be blue. Okay. I figured they would. They would. They were trying to make this. I want to say more grounded, but uh, you know that they, that they would try and stick closer to, uh, um, I guess, realism of, of some sort. I'm gonna. I, I am on the. I like it train. Oh, okay. Yeah. Actually, I mean, I don't say I like it because, like, I, I have. I have no negative feelings. I'm just like, yeah, that's probably what a live action genie should look like. And I'm sure it's going to look better once the movie comes out. Cause most things look kind of bad in trailers and then get better. But yeah, man, I'm, I'm for it. I feel like we distinctly saw a picture of him in the clothes without the blue on at some point. Yeah, right. The entertainment weekly or whatever fucking magazine it is. The cover for that. He was just in the regular genie clothes with like his hair, like with like the big ponytail thing at the top for some reason. Yeah. So I wonder if the blue thing is gonna is gonna like be a be a thing that happens occasionally in the movie because I just I mean I'm looking at it and I'm thinking to myself who thought this was a good idea. The only thing that looks weird to me is they like they like bulked him up a little bit like he looks like a little just like a little stocky like halfway up his body he just looks a little more stocky than he should be. I think you just you can keep Will Smith at basically his regular body and just mm-hmm. make him kind of floaty with a little thing at the bottom and he look fine. But yeah, they had to make him like kind of you know kind of hunky and i'm like Let, let's just keep it the way it is but yeah it's fine people were making jokes that he's like thanos's cousin and i thought that was kind of funny interesting okay i mean I, i've noticed that as well he looks like he's got like he looks like he's wearing a muscle suit almost like a, like a little yeah one. it's a bit strange uh also seth i just saw this come across on twitter feed interesting news for for you and i I do gotta i gotta give a shout out to you you are our breaking news guy people don't maybe (laughs) listeners don't know this very much but he has like a twitter scroll and everything he has a feed that scrolls on the bottom of the screen as well as having twitter open Mm -hmm. and he just if anything has like a red siren emoji he just says it out loud that's what (laughs) happens i'm being apprised of the current situations that are that are unfolding yeah. Uh, so remember how Netflix paid all that fucking money to 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 have friends? Yes. And they paid a hundred million dollars in twenty nineteen to get it again. Yep. Looks like Friends is going to be leaving Netflix. Really? It's going to be exclusive to Warner's new streaming service. Oh, I did hear that was a rumor that whenever they started their stupid ass shit, they were going to get rid of it. Um. Well, yeah. I'm just. I. I don't know. This whole streaming war thing, I think people need to we need to vote with our dollars, and because no, there's no way that they're all going to survive. No, because right now you're getting to a we're about to get to a point where if you honestly have the, the enough streaming services, it's going to be just like paying for a cable bill, which is the reason we all stopped. The reason we all started streaming was to stop paying for our cable bill. So yeah. they're going to get to a point where I'm like I'm not pay, like at this point I'm not paying for any more services. Like, I even heard that, like, Disney Plus or whatever is going to have The Mandalorian, the new Star Wars show, that has, like, a bunch mm-hmm. of cool directors and a bunch of cool actors. I'm not watching that shit. Okay? I'm not, because I'm not going to pay for Disney Plus. I refuse. Hey, man, I don't blame you. It's, uh, why would you, you know? Yeah, it's, uh, it's just a lot. And I think that we're going to, we're going to hit that point pretty soon where it's going to be gone, so. Yeah, it's like... They, all they, they call them like what do they call them cord cutters or something like that. 
Yeah, cord people cut the cord to get away from the high cost of, of of cable, and they got Netflix at first or whatever. And then I guess Hulu came up, and you could you could have Hulu, and that'd be fine. And then HBO. But at this point, you're starting to get to the point where you are paying a fucking cable bill. And so why would you not just cancel me? I mean, they said that that for the for the first couple of years of Netflix and and, and Hulu and all that, you know, piracy had gone way down. Yeah. And now it's shooting back up because, of course, it would be. You're trying to make people pay too much. And folks yeah. don't want to pay that much money. Yeah, either either two things are going to happen. Either a bunch of these services are going to fold and just give off their assets to the ones that survive. Or they're all going to have to drastically lower their prices. Which they won't because capitalism yes. requires constant growth. Because they're only, and at this point, they're only increasing their prices. And I don't mind paying for Netflix. I honestly love Netflix's content, and I will continue to pay them the money as long as I can afford to do it every month. But some of these things are going to fall. Like I, I, I might, I hate doing this. But I might even be one of those people who just only has HBO during the months that the shows I want to watch are on. That would make sense. It's just, it's getting, it's getting to a weird point where it's just like, is this even worth it anymore? And didn't we recently discover that we can't, we no longer can watch Hulu at the same time? Yeah, there, there's these things in the world called parasites, and mm. they leech off of a person who has something, and they, they just take it from them. <laughs> oh, okay, I see where this is going, okay. Yeah, 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 they take it from them um, without ever really asking. They mm-hmm. just kind of just have it, and they're like, oh yeah, it's mine, I have it. It's mine. Uh-huh. But in reality, it's someone else's. And they don't ever like, they don't ever say thank you. Mm-hmm. They don't ever, they don't ever like just pick, yeah, no, I don't care if you pitch in, just say thank you or just, you know, maybe tweet about it sometimes. Like, oh, by the way, I was watching the Orville, but I could, I couldn't do it without, you know, this guy, whoever's help. I'm not trying to point fingers. Uh-huh. But yeah, so they've made it now where these parasites can't watch um, Hulu at the same time as you unless you pay a higher price, which I already pay a higher price for Netflix so that four people can watch it at once because I also have three parasites on that one too. <laughs> so actually only two parasites, but still. We're going to have to turn, we're going to have to like, dude, okay, here, here's the next big idea, right? Is some kind of app or site or whatever that will allow, that's going to allow you to everyone pitch in a certain amount of money every month to pay for your different streaming services. Yeah, but then that'll just increase the cost to where you're pitching in basically the cost it would be for one person. That's true. So. That's true. Uh, what I think what will happen though is that um, they would just they would just get rid of the ability to stream it in multiple places at once. So they'd find some way where it could only be on like TVs in the same house or something like that. Yeah, somehow. it's like an IP address thing or something. Yeah, and I mean I'm but, sure they'll yeah. play it anyways at some point because you know fuck they're just gonna do it anyways. But yeah, next time you're watching the Warville, just you know, think about all the good things you have in life. I'm just saying. Remember how we were th- we were talking last week about that that uh, burger flipper thing? Yeah. And it said at the end, like if you can read this, think a teacher. If, you can re- if it's in English, think of troop yeah. or whatever. I was thinking to myself, what it should say, really, if we're being good, totally honest with ourselves here, is if you <laughs> if you can read it in English, you should probably think of fucking Soviet. Because they're the ones who saved your asses. Yeah, and if you and at the end of all your tweets at the Orville, you should write if you're reading this. <laughs> thanks, Seth, because he pays for Hulu. <laughs> I have I have never tweeted about the Orville. Even though I think I maintain that it is a good show. Yeah, that just, there is no way that is true. I have not. I don't tweet. You about must it. have an alt account where you just live tweet the Orville. <laughs> 
Because I, I swear it's the only thing you talk about. What is? What are you talking about? Listeners, when we're not on this podcast, he only talks about the Orville. Really? Okay. Yes, he just started watching it like last week or something, and it's all he mm. talks about. Yeah. Anyways, I was going to talk a little about Parasite, Seth. Yes, let's do it. Let's if talk down news. To, if you're down to hear about some parasites. So, the uh, one of the biggest um, uh, gaming companies out there uh, is Activision Blizzard. Um, yes. When they merged... Um, they just became a juggernaut. Of, yeah, they uh, make they make Candy Crush. They make Kingdom Hearts. They make Call of Duty. They make what else do they make? World of Warcraft. Yes. They make. Uh, they used to make Destiny. Yep, Destiny. Um, but it turns out that this year Activision Blizzard's profits saw a decline. So naturally, the uh, solution that they decided to take is they're going to fire workers. And they have not said how many people yet. We don't even know any specifics. But Bloomberg uh, picked up on the story. Uh, Jason Schreier of Kotaku also picked it up. That, the, that there's supposed to like number in the hundreds. They are going to lay off hundreds of people probably tonight or tomorrow when their their quarterly earnings call has to go out. It's a pretty fucking dark day for this a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, we we have not hidden at all our disdain for the gaming industry and it's terrible practices i mean i follow and it just it follows the same like rules of any other corporation which you know when you first hit when you first like the thing is when you first played a video game when you were a kid and you first learned there's people who are making them you like you just you get to hear you like that must be so fun that must be just the coolest job. People must be nice and chill and just want to have a good time and don't worry about all the little things that go into making a business. But then you grow up and you find out that gaming might be one of the worst industries to work in for because of stuff like this. Yeah, I've heard nothing but horror stories from most people about about the the, the labor conditions there are in the in the uh, gaming industry. I mean, I'm sure you've heard your fair share of things too, about you know crunch time and 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 the low amount low compensation for the amount of work you do, and it's because oh, yeah. I think they know they can exploit the fact that you people love video games, people love making and being creative and making like entertainment products, and they'll exploit that to make you work harder for less. Yeah, and I think it. I mean, a lot of it comes down to. That one day there's gonna have to be a real strike in the gaming industry, mm-hmm. and I mean like, like Call of Duty Eight is coming out tomorrow, or like it's supposed to come out in like a month, and they all just stop working, and they're yeah. like, we're like, we don't care if it's the holiday season, we don't care about any of this, we we have to get treated better. You have to hire more people, you have to keep people on, and you have to treat us better. You can't like making video games is not like a breakneck have to happen kind of thing right video games yeah. should be made at a leisurely at maybe not leisurely but yeah like a nice pace where all the workers get to put in a fair amount of time every week go home have lives and not stress out and come back i would gladly have waited four more years to play red dead redemption 2 if it meant they got treated better yeah i agree and <clears throat> so 
I'm going to read a little bit here from an article by Jason Schreier for Kotaku uh, about this whole thing. And it says right here that uh, at Blizzard 2018 was a year full of cost-cutting under Chief um, Operating Officer Armin Zerza, whose mandate has been to reduce spending and to produce more games. Now, how does that work, Seth? How do you reduce spending and produce more games? Um, you and you incorporate some form of slave labor. <laughs> I mean, that's and, the only way. Yeah, and it says right here. Actually, you know this? I hadn't realized this. That uh, aside from expansions and remasters, Blizzard has not produced a new game since Overwatch. Yeah, in May 2016. It says right here, employees all across Blizzard have been told to cut their budgets and spend less money. And there's a general concern about Activision's creeping influence as the company looks to make more financially driven decisions. They, they killed Heroes of the Storm. You see that? Really? Well, they killed the esports program. Well, yeah, and that's, I knew that. That's the precursor, they say, to them like basically putting the game on live support and then probably shutting it down. That sucks. I have a couple friends who really like that game. Yeah, I have some friends who enjoy it too. I've never played it myself, but yeah. I mean, it just apparently it's their least successful game. Which uh, after playing the new World of Warcraft expansion, I'm curious as how that's possible. Damn. Uh, <laughs> it says right here that uh, Activision, meanwhile, has also been struggling. Last year's Call of Duty Black Ops Four was successful, one of 2018's best-selling games according to NP- ND- NPD data. But the publisher lost one of its major franchises after Destiny 2's Forsaken expansion failed to meet Activision's lofty expectations. In January, developer Bungie announced that it was parting ways with Activision ending its relationship contract early, putting the bow on a long doomed relationship. Bungie would hang on to the Destiny franchise as a result. So, basically Activision thought that, that Forsaken was going to make a shitload more money than it actually did. And while it was successful, it's not, that's, that's the problem, it's not successful enough. That's, yeah, and that's the thing. It's like a game can be good. It can not only can it be good, it can actually make a nice amount of money and still be considered a failure in their eyes. And the people who made it, who were worked to the bone to make this thing, just because it didn't make enough, with air quotes, enough money, those people are going to get punished. Not the people who made the decisions, not the people who were... You know, cutting these checks and make, making the decisions to make these games and how they're marketed and everything. But people who actually made them and put in the hours to make them. Mm-hmm. Which is one of those things. It's just, it's just, it's just an incredibly dumb. If you think about it, how are you going to to salvage your your costs by cutting the people who make the product that you need to sell? Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like when you're when you're growing up, the the first thing you hear is like, oh. You know, what? whoever was it, Rockefeller, one of those fucking terrible people, was like, oh, you gotta spend money to make money. Right, and now yeah. all, all of a sudden, corporations are like, oh no, we don't want to spend money and still make an exorbitant amount more money than we ever have before. Oh yeah. But they do want to spend money on certain people. Do you know who those are here? <coughs> who? The folks at the top. Oh, of course. I didn't... I heard that, like, after people got were getting laid off, one guy... One executive took a job and got fifteen million dollars as a bonus. Yeah, their new CFO as a bonus. Yeah, as a bonus, their new CFO got fifteen fucking million dollars. So I'm gonna run down here, Seth, real quick with you for the compensations for the uh, the top people at Activision Blizzard. Okay. All right. So we're starting off with Robert Kodak or Bobby Kodak, who is the chief executive officer of Activision Blizzard. 
His total compensation, his salary is a mere $1.75 million. Uh, but once you add in his stock awards, option awards, non-equity, incentive plan compensation, all our compensation, do you want to guess what he pulls down every year? Like $30 million. $28 million. Whoa, I was so close. You were, dude. So $28 million. So All right. Next up, Spencer Newman. His final amount, $9 million. Wow. Dennis Durkin, $5.8 million. Collister Johnson. Collis- what the fuck is this guy's name? Collister Johnson? Yeah. Sounds like a comic book character from the fucking 70s. Yeah, weirdo. This guy's pulling down $11 million. Damn. Uh, Michael Morhaime, the former president and CEO of Blizzard, now gone, pulled down twelve. Uh, see here, twelve million dollars, and then Ricardo Zaccone, the CEO of King, who I believe makes those mobile games, uh, brings in fourteen million dollars. So, how many workers could you pay with these guys' salaries? Oh, plenty. So, my question then is, what? Does this person, what do these guys do? What is what is their goal? What is their role in the company that affords them this huge amount of pay? Yeah, that's one thing that um, I really never understood. I've worked in, uh, I mean, I've worked in corporate jobs ever since I was in college. Um, and whether the people above me are nice or not, some of them are very nice people. Like, I really liked them. They have had no actual problems with them. But I still never really understood what it was that they were providing that uh, made them worth so much more than me or one of my coworkers. Um, I don't find their job to be particularly hard. And almost any time you find a person who is in that position who's like, man, we had a rough day today, that really just means that um, they were scolded for something, so now they're going to have to punish their like the, the people that work under them. But nothing is ever going to actually happen to them. And it, it I don't know, it, it always puts a just a bad taste on my mouth when I just realize that there's not a whole lot that they're doing that can't be done by just anyone who just has a working knowledge of the company you're at. That's mostly what it is. Is if you honestly, if you know the company, none of these jobs are actually that difficult. Uh, like, yeah, uh, I mean, go ahead. I mean, it's like like a business manager at one of these game companies who like you know interfaces with other businesses and talks about requirements or whatever. That's a job, and yeah, I do think you should get paid for it. But I don't see what makes it more difficult and more demanding of a, of a good salary than what one of the developers might be doing. Yeah, it's like it's a thing where. We are the ones, and I'm using the general we here, the proletarians, the workers. We do the work. The developers do the work. Me and you, we both do grunt work at our at our jobs as well. We are yes. the, the front line people who, our hands turn the wheel. We make the product. We are the ones who make the money. These guys, they can always millions of dollars. Don't do jack fucking shit. I mean, what is Bobby Kotick really doing for Activision Blizzard that a, that the workers could not do themselves, you know, democratically? Yeah. Or, like, 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 my proposition is that yeah, sure, all these jobs might still exist. There's nothing wrong with these jobs existing, but they shouldn't necessarily make more than anybody else. They, I think, these jobs should just be compensated the same. 
Like, because once again, they're not providing. I wouldn't say they're providing more value, but also once again, like we like we always say, labor is valuable. I'm not going to say that they are less valuable. I just think that they're not more valuable. Yeah. So I mean, I just think everyone should get paid a fair amount, and whether that be all the same, that's that's what we need. That's the developers of uh, Dead Cells. Uh, they're a syndicate. Everyone gets paid the same at their their studio. That's cool. And they all do. Uh, they all have their jobs. You know, they 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 believe no one is more integral to this process than anybody else. Because if they, if you start putting these divisions, these hierarchies into your job, and start paying people more or less for their for, for something like this, anyways, then you're starting to say, well, you're more important than this other person. And to be honest, I'm not really seeing how Bobby Kodak or or any other any other fools is more important than the teams of people who actually make the thing, who actually make yeah. the product. Because here's because, the thing. And that's the thing. is they, Their job would be rendered entirely useless if the developers weren't developing. Right. And here's what I'm asking is, uh, for just not to, I mean, not, not to you, I know you, you know, but to anyone else who may want to come at me on Twitter or some shit, what are they really doing that's providing value to this whole arrangement? What, they're making business deals and, and stuff like that? That's not actually making th- something or selling the game. The structures already yeah. exist. The demand exists from, from, from people to get these things into their hands. What are these executives really doing that's making money? I don't see it personally. Yeah, I mean, all these deals, everything, every project they talk about is there. It's all um, contingent on the workers who are getting paid less doing their jobs. Exactly. And them producing something. So once again, they're the whole process is rendered useless without the people at the the proverbial bottom, I guess. Yeah. And it's the same whole thing we've seen we've seen forever in the history of labor under capitalism is we have been we have been told our entire lives by these this parasitic class of capitalists that they're necessary. But if we didn't show up to work, which we have not done in the past, strikes have happened and proven this. If the workers don't show up, the shit doesn't get done, and they don't get they don't make any money. If they don't show up, if they, they take their vacations or whatever, we're fine. We can continue to work just just fine without you. Yeah, and that's something I'm seeing. Like, I think we've actually mentioned this scene before, but there's a scene on the office where, like, after like Michael is gone and like, looking for a new manager. They call up Jim and they're like, "Hey, we took a manager." He's like, "No, not really. Like, honestly, we we can all just manage ourselves. It's not that bad. It's you know, it, we don't really need a boss." And it was so true. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's a fucking. I mean, not to be like a fucking um, an anarchist or something like that, but I don't think we need bosses. We could do that ourselves. Wait, you don't want to be an anarchist. I mean, I think anarchists anarchists are pie in the sky people. That that their ideology is for the future after we've achieved. Communists and anarchists don't disagree with anything, but the means of how we get there. And I'm a communist because I think we have to. We're gonna have to do some shit that some people are not gonna be happy with on the anarchist side to get to that point where we have defeated the capitalists. That's true. Or I mean, I guess these things could happen organically. Oh, Seth, what about organically, my friend? Okay, I just want. I don't know if I keep talking to the listeners, which I guess that's what a podcast is. But you guys don't even understand how good the segue I just hit was. It was incredible. It was an organic segue <laughs> using the word organically, and we're about to have a story that involves the word organically. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just saying. But yeah, let's start us off. Re, re, you know what I'm talking about. Read the tweets. <laughs> 
Uh, all right, let's start. Let's let's, let's go from the top here. Then uh, this is a tweet from John Harwood uh, on Twitter. Uh, it says uh, billionaire investor Paul Tudor Jones to at CNBC increasing concentration of wealth among richest Americans. Uh, quote: We've got a system that I think we can all agree is moving on the wrong track. Jones, okay. Hey. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no. Hey. That's awesome, right? Yeah. So some billionaire investor guy is saying that our system is moving on the wrong track. That's pretty surprising. I like this guy. There's nothing mm-hmm. he can say that would make me not be on his side. <laughs> you sure, Seth? What's the next tweet? <laughs> uh, Jones says he's been talking to Schumer about economic justice for a while. Cool. Criticizes, yeah, okay. Criticizes excessive CEO pay and stock buybacks. Okay, here we go. But... <laughs> Hope solutions will emerge organically rather than through legislation. Hmm. Don't know how I feel about that one, Paul. <laughs> not, a, not a fan there, buddy. Uh, I mean, my, my response to this is very simple. Um, decomposition is an organic process. That is true. So and... we turn your ass into compost. It was organic. Yeah. I just don't I I've, I don't understand how someone can be on such a good track with their thinking, but then think, oh, but this will change organically. Because the the whole idea, the the only way this can change organically, well, there's a couple of ways, I guess. But the the I guess the ideal scenario for this to change organically would be that all these billionaires decide, you know what? I think I finally have enough money. I'm gonna redistribute i'm gonna reorganize my company gonna run things better i'm gonna cut my salary i'm gonna my my employees are gonna make more i'm gonna get more employees i'm gonna provide them more benefits and i think we're finally gonna live in a good society however the likelihood of that is the same as me winning the lottery (laughs) it's fuck i don't understand what his organic solution would be well, here's the thing, Seth. I, I am going to be the first person to come boldly forward and say that Paul Tudor Jones is a comrade. He is an ally. Because as we know, the the driving uh, philosophy behind Marxism is dialectical materialism, uh, where we come to conclusions based on the material universe around us, which is, we could, we could argue, a type of organic, wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. I think <coughs> that it will be completely 100% organic, uh, straight from the ground based when capitalism fails to adapt to its problems and its its contradictions overwhelm it and we rise up and we take control of the system. I think that'll be an organic change. There's no legislation involved in that. The law never gets involved. We just fucking overthrow the law and capitalism. Hey, it's all organic, right? We just pull out the guillotine. Yes. You could buy that shit at the fucking farmer's market, my friend. I honestly thought you were about to do a long-winded spiel and then bring it right back to them decomposing organically I thought that's if you <laughs> well they will there. be after cut their heads off and throw them into mass graves yeah, of course um so yeah I, I think i mean he thinks he's talking i guess he's thinking more along your lines of like oh yeah we'll just like we'll do philanthropy again we'll we'll recreate you know the rockefellers and the and the carnegies and all that kind of stuff it's not gonna happen though it's just not yeah <laughs> so uh, uh, Paul Tudor Jones, um, we I, I, we will meet you on the, the, the blood-soaked fields of battle, and we'll see how it goes. That's true. Hopefully you'll be on our side. 
Um, um, we'll see about that. <laughs> so you never know. You never know. It's true. Um, I've got I've got something to talk about. All right, I'm excited. So, um, recently the uh, the NBA trade deadline happened. I know what people are thinking. He's gonna talk about basketball again. What does basketball have to do with leftism? Um, this one is actually gonna apply to leftism. Oh, okay. Okay, I'm I'm ready for it. So the NBA trade deadline happened, which, if people don't know, is the last day of the year that players can be traded to other teams. You know, to whether they're in free agency or people buy out their contracts, whatever. That's that's the last day they can be traded. It was last Thursday, 3 p.m. Pacific time. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the big headline trade that everyone was expecting was um, Anthony Davis, who's a superstar playing for the New Orleans Pelicans. People were expecting him to get traded because just a week before he told his team that he's tired and he just wants to be traded because he wants to go to a place where he can actually win games because he's probably one of the top three or five best players in the NBA, but he's not playing on a very good team. So he requested a trade, and ever since day one when LeBron James signed on to the Lakers, the whole idea was we are going to get you Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. You're going to play with Anthony Davis, and you're going to win a championship with Anthony Davis. So... They've made this no secret. They've um, uh, they played when New Orleans played Lakers the other day, or like a couple months ago. Anthony Davis and LeBron James went and had lunch to, or dinner together after the game, talked about it. They had the same agent. Um, they actually just recently got the same agent. So a lot of things have been in the works um, by Magic Johnson, owner of the Lakers, and LeBron James to try and coax Anthony Davis over to their side. However, um, because of the way that NBA works and contracts work, the players don't get to choose what team they go to mm-hmm. um, unless they're in um, free agency, um, which Anthony Davis currently is not. He does have a year left on his contract with the Pelicans, so he'd have to be bought out in the trade. And so when the Lakers decided, hey, Anthony Davis wants to be traded, let's go ahead and, let's go ahead and try and get him now. They're going to wait a year, so let's get him now. And so they, they make a trade offer to the Pelicans, and the Pelicans refuse. They make another, the Pelicans refuse. They make another, the Pelicans refuse. And the by the end by the end of it, the Lakers were going to give up basically their entire team except for LeBron James and almost all of their draft picks for the next three years just to get Anthony Davis. They wanted it that bad. Um, not a very smart move in my opinion, but it's what it's what Magic Johnson was willing to do. Well, so in your opinion, how good is Anthony Davis? I think he's like probably a third best player in the NBA. So okay, yeah. I mean, he's very good, and him, him and LeBron together would be a very, very unstoppable force. But if you did that trade, you'd have two of the best players in the game and a bench full of losers who could never win a championship. So mm-hmm. would it be a good trade? Who knows? But they kept denying it, and in the end, Anthony Davis didn't get traded to any team. There are other teams that put in bids as well. He, he didn't get traded. He'll have to wait till this summer for more stuff to happen. Um, but the whole reason that this... Um, really kind of got on my nerves and a bunch of other NBA fans' nerves is um, because the NBA is ran like a business and you know players don't have complete autonomy once they're under a contract. They have to be bought out, and they're, the people that own their contract have to approve of you know them being bought out and everything. Um, the, the GMs, the general managers of teams and the owners, the team owners, um, have kind of decided – that they don't like how much power players have these days. Because what happened was the GMs realized that LeBron James had the power to get Anthony Davis onto his team, 
And he had the persuasion. He has the skill. He knows that Anthony Davis wants to play with him. And because they made it no secret, this scares the GMs because they now realize that they don't have as much power as they thought they did. The players mm-hmm. can now influence each other and, you know, work together and, you know, collectively, you know, gather up and talk about stuff together and have their own agreements among each other um, about the future of their, their careers and their contracts. And that scares the GMs. And it scared them so much that what what Norlands did wasn't just try to raise the Lakers bid. They didn't care. They were never going to take the Lakers bid. They didn't, they could trade them LeBron James and they would not have taken it because Mm -hmm. once this happened, as soon as they realized that LeBron James was courting him and that they were, was being open about it and they were losing power. What they did was they drove the bid up so much to where, I mean, I'm legitimately, they were going to give away every single useful player on their team, except for LeBron James. And then they rejected the trade, which then, all that did was ruin the team chemistry of the Lakers. Because now everybody on that team realizes they were just on the chopping block. Because for some reason, we make it public who who's willing to, who they're willing to trade. Which I don't know if that's a great idea. Because then players know that like they're expendable or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so once this happened, all the Pelicans tried to do was tear down any, about, any out of power that players actually have. And all that work that LeBron James put in... All the work that any player who's tried to forge alliances with their fellow players has, have done have been torn down because they're scared, and it's it's kind of upsetting that that, that they have that much power that they are that scared of the players because in, in the in the analogy analogy of the NBA the players would be the regular people of course the players are all in reality they're all millionaires they all make quite a bit of money. But in, in like if you're using the analogy, the guy, the GMs are kind of the robber barons, and the players are the people who are just trying to work and get get their job done every day. Mm. And they have become scared of how much power that the people have in the NBA, and are trying to restrict it as much as possible. Isn't is there an NBA players union? There is a players union, yes. But isn't it like totally controlled by the GMs? The, the players' union, the NBA probably has one of the better players' unions as far as who's in control. The players do seem to have a good, a good amount of autonomy when it comes to their players' association. Mm-hmm. Um, now, once again, a players' association can still only do so much as to like um, fixing the infrastructure of the sport. Um, but, yeah, they do have probably one of the better players' unions, I'd say. Yeah, I was just thinking about it because, like, it seems like what you're talking about is workers trying to organize themselves um, and just like, you know, management uh, coming down hard on that. Pretty much. And that's, that's exactly how I felt about it was um, they got they got so scared, they got so shook, and they were like, what, what do we do in this scenario? And they did the only thing they could, which is just try to tear down the spirits of all the people playing on the Lakers. Um, which, I mean, in the end, it's a pretty shitty move. Um, one, because like I said, it, when, you, when you're when you're in a business where, and it feels so weird to talk about it, but when you actually talk about the NBA and trades, you realize they're just trading people around and like mm-hmm. assigning number values to how much they're worth, which is just kind of problematic when you really get down to it. Um, That's true. Yeah, but they shouldn't make that stuff public. They shouldn't have. They should have just said, "Oh, the Lakers are bidding. The Lakers are bidding." They shouldn't have said, "Oh, by the way, everyone on the team is gonna be gone." <laughs> the other day, the, the other day, the Lakers were playing in Indiana, and by the way, suffered the worst loss of LeBron's career—forty-eight point loss. Oh my god! Um, 
And while anybody who wasn't LeBron was shooting free throws, the crowd was chanting, LeBron's going to trade you. Like, these players shouldn't have to deal with that. That's insane. That does suck. It all comes down to the fact that the GMs have gotten scared. They realize that there could be a shift pretty soon where they have less power than the players, and they decided to tuck their tail between their legs and run away from it all. And, um, I mean, I hope they're happy. But there is it's not going to last forever. One day these these players are going to have to have their their autonomy, um, and be able to organize themselves how they please. Well, you know, Seth, in in the wise words of Mark X GameStop, power to the players. Yes, that's that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> um, I had a question about basketball for you, Seth. Go ahead. Speaking of players that might be on the up, like coming up or whatever, uh, this guy Zion Williamson is that his name? Yes. Uh, I hear a lot of people talking about how good this guy is. What's He's what's your opinion? What's your take? He's a monster. I, I I heard that LeBron went to watch him play. Yes, LeBron went to watch him play in Virginia this past weekend. Um, yeah, Zion Williamson is imagine a. A lean NBA defensive lineman who can jump 14 inches in the air. More. More than that. Um, That's what he is. He weighs weighs the same amount as LeBron, but he's several inches shorter. Um, So he's very stocky. He's still still quite tall, obviously, and just he weighs a lot. He's He's heavy, and he's so fast. He can jump so high, and he's just, he doesn't have the body type of a player that's ever existed before. Mm-hmm. Um, and people and yeah, people are comparing a lot to LeBron James because LeBron James was the same way when he entered the league. There weren't a lot of people who actually had his build, and mm-hmm. it was one of the one of the reasons that he changed the game so much was because it was just it was just something people weren't used to playing against. And Zion Williamson is the epitome of that. I mean, you literally have a man who could be playing in the NFL rather than the NBA. He's not in the NBA yet, but he could be a college football player. He's running at you trying to make a layup, and there's not much you can do about it because you weigh 75 pounds and you're six feet tall. And, it, yeah, he's, he's a scary guy, and I think he's going to make some big waves whenever he is obviously the number one draft pick. From what I've heard, he is going to, like, he's going to set the fucking place on fire, basically. Yeah, let's hope. I mean, of course, there's always been players who get hyped up and then uh, don't live up to the expectations, but I hope he does. He's a cool guy. He plays, uh, he plays at Duke, which, I mean, love him or hate him, they're a good team, so... Yeah, but yeah, he's he's definitely gonna make make some splash. Yeah, I saw someone make a, a, a post a gif of him like blocking a shot, and the dude just jumps like straight oh, up. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. This guy was this is like some, something you never see. A guy shooting a three pointer like from way beyond the arc, and then Zion just jumps over this six foot five or whatever dude, and then just hits the ball straight down into the crowd. Like something you never see somebody do. Like you don't even why would you even want to try that? He just does it and it's just it's just a scary thing to look at because he's just he just has so much power and it's not something we're used to seeing i'm looking forward to hearing more about what happens with him yeah later on he seems like seems like a good uh good prospect so seth i want to talk to you about uh, a young up-and-comer as well in a different realm who is making some waves uh we talked about her before briefly i believe on this podcast known that her name is uh, ilhan omar I thought you were making a big joke and you were going to say AOC, and I'm like, we've only talked about her once or twice. <laughs> but yes, no, go on. 
uh, Ilhan Omar is a Somali American. She she is uh, I think the first Somalian woman to be elected to Congress. Mm-hmm. She's in Minnesota. She's you know a Muslim, and uh, I don't know. If people think wonder why there's so many Muslims because her and Keith Ellison both come from uh, from uh, up there. And it turns out that it's because a lot of um, of uh, Somali refugees were settled in, the, in those states uh, when they came to America. So she is, uh, you know, she's an immigrant. You know, she's a refugee, I think, who came here from Somalia. And she is, uh, she's not quite, she's not maybe quite as mad as AOC has in Congress. Uh, but yesterday that changed because she called out um, APAC. Do you know what APAC is, Seth? No. APAC is the American Israel Public Affairs Committee. Um, they are basically a huge lobbying firm that just does whatever it can to lobby on behalf of Israel. Now, um, I'll say what folks don't want to say in most other places. Uh, Israel is a bad country. It is an apartheid state. It exists... Uh, 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 on stolen land and it oppresses uh, the Palestinians who, who try to live there. Uh, there's nothing good about Israel. Um, if you have a problem with that, fuck you. Um, so she criticized APAC and she, she said, using the song lyrics, uh, they're talking about basically about how could, AP- how could people be influenced to support Israel in Congress. And she tweeted, uh, it's all about the Benjamins with a, you know, the, the, the musical symbols around it. Yes. And that kicked off a fucking shitstorm because everybody and their grandma in fucking politics is trying to claim that Ilhan Omar is anti-Semitic because she said that uh, a political activism committee would ever possibly give money to politicians to, 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 to vote for it in its way. How, how crazy is that? How is this anti-Semitic? Well, because you can't ever say that Jewish people would use money to do things like influence politics. That's and that's automatically buzzer sounds. You're anti-Semitic, apparently. We can't we can't point that out. Hmm. And of course, uh, tons of people. Steve fucking King, the congressman from fucking Illinois or whatever. Is a literal fucking neo-Nazi who like goes around and gets a second opinion on the fucking Holocaust, and and Congress will not censure him, but they will all jump on Ilhan Omar immediately for saying this. That's so fucked up. And it's because, and I'll say it, I'll say what people people don't want to fucking say. I'll be unpopular again. It's because she's a black woman. It's because they know she's an easily beat up on uh, minority group. And the Democrat, and it's the Democrats doing this now. By the way, Democrats are the ones who jumping on her. Uh, I mean, everybody from fucking uh, uh, Neera Tanden to Hillary fucking Clinton, uh, or sorry, not Hillary Clinton, Chelsea Clinton was jumping on her about this. So the Democrats are on board. Nancy Pelosi put out a fucking statement saying that she disapproved of Ilhan Omar's statements and that she should uh, apologize for them. So no one came to her defense, basically. Yeah, that sucks. Like, I mean, I understand that, I mean, obviously anti-Semitism is a problem. Obviously, people shouldn't be uh, mean to Jewish people just because they're Jewish. But if you're commenting on something terrible someone is doing and they happen to be Jewish is not really anti-Semitism. Right, yeah, she didn't make it up them being Jews. She yeah. just said 
this 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 political action action committee, which is what PACs do, which is give money to politicians. All she said was, "It's being, it's doing what it does." Yeah, and that makes her anti-Semite. And this is not the first time. I mean, uh, 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 Keith Ellison has been accused of this as well because, again, he is a black man who's a Muslim, so it's easy to 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 accuse him of being anti-Semitic for statements that he also made that were fucking true about how APAC and Israel in general operates. And he was, um, and, and Ilhan Omar did eventually come out with a, a pretty great apology where she said she unequivocally apologizes, and then in the second paragraph just resays what she said before. Like we need to be aware. And then she also compares APAC to the to, to the uh, NRA, which is a pretty good touch, I think. Oh really? Yeah. That's nice. And it's just like. I don't know, man. Uh, it, but here's the thing. This only proves her point, right? She said that the APAC buys off politicians and suddenly every single politician in, in fucking Washington, D.C. is jumping down her throat about saying this. Did, do we not see how this proves her point? Yeah, I don't know. It's... I mean, there's so many, like, obvious... Like, kind of like how, what I was talking about the NBA. There's people who are obviously scared. Mm-hmm. of this rising tide, whether it be leftism or whether it just be like, just don't be shitty and like kind of realize that money is a problem. Um, they're scared of that, obviously, because they want to keep their money. And they're going to do whatever they can. They're going to throw whatever they can at people like AOC and um, how do you say her name? Uh, I believe, I'm, I could be wrong, but I believe it's Ilhan Omar. Ilhan. They're going to do whatever they can. They're going to throw everything at them to try and shut them up and to try and get public opinion to be against them because they are shaking in their boots as we speak. Yeah, man. And I mean, and the thing is, is that Israel and America have such a horrible incestuous relationship where we enable them to continue being a terrible apartheid state. And in, in return, they funnel money into our politicians to ensure our support continues. I mean, it's no different from our relationship to Saudi Arabia. You know, a horrible, repressive, literal goddamn kingdom. Um, so yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it just goes to show that America will be allies with anybody. We don't have any principles. We don't have any fucking morals to our foreign policy. It is literally we will give money to anyone who supports our our uh, uh, you know, our entire our way of looking at things. Yeah. It's like, did you see who they got to to, to handle the the situation the situation in Venezuela? I didn't even know we were worrying about it. Oh, we are, dude. The guy who's handling it is Elliot fucking Abrams. Now, I know you probably don't know his name. You probably don't know who this guy is. Mm-mm. But he was the guy that they put in charge back in the fucking 80s when it came to Latin American problems. And the very first thing he did on his on his first day back in the 80s when he started the job was cover up a horrific massacre that took place when pro-American forces rolled into a mountain village and I believe Nicaragua and killed 850 people. And he just covered it up for years. Yeah. I was about to say, if he was in charge of like Latin American relations in the 80s, he must have done a killer job. <laughs> Things are so good for them back then. And they still are. It's just, I mean, it's just like further proof, right? That America doesn't care what your what your politics are, so long as you will support American hegemony and you will open your markets. You will you will make the neoliberal reforms to to allow uh, American corporations to come in and and, uh, and do whatever the fuck they want to your your yeah. country. As long as you don't speak up against capitalism and you know you're not black, we're like open to you, apparently. 
I mean, yeah, it's, it's sad, but true. I mean, that's how it is. And um, just like how in Venezuela, this fucking guy, Juan Guaido, the guy who de- declared himself interim president or whatever for the moment. Yeah. If you go back and look through his history, he actually went to George Washington University in Washington, D.C. and attended a CIA uh, like conference in Mexico back in the uh, early 2000s. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and say that Juan Guaido is a CIA asset. Yeah, that's probably true. We've been trying so to fucked up. Oh yeah, dude. We've been trying to get our, our fingers into fucking Venezuela ever since Chavez took over. And we found this guy who came to America who, you know, his, his, his parents were killed in a natural disaster that Chavez did not respond to quickly enough. So he has a beef with the government. He comes to America to, to learn. And you just know that some dude in a suit approached him and was like, hey, buddy, you want to come talk to us about how you can make a difference for your country? Damn. So, for sure. It's just more and more. So, everything from APAC to Saudi Arabia to Latin America and Venezuela, it, it just goes to prove to you that America does not give a shit about anybody else and how they fucking uh, operate. We will let you do whatever you want in your own country so long as you play ball with us. We'll let you do whatever you want. I mean, look, look what the Shah in Iran did when we put him back in fucking power and the, the horrible things he did to his people. We didn't care about that. Nope. He kept, he kept the oil flowing. I guess what I'm saying in the end here is uh, uh, fuck America and that's spelled with three K's yes like my boy Joey Badass so um, Seth I'm, I'm kind of done you got any more things you want to talk about uh no not really I have a, a quick recommendation anyone out there who just if you just if you are tired of all this capitalism and all this stuff being thrown in our face and you're down about it and it's just you go home and you're in a bad mood and you have a Netflix subscription, I recommend watching the show one day at a time. It is just, it's just a big bundle of good times. And I mean, it's, it's a show that's not afraid to deal with like serious topics, but in the end, it's just a nice, happy show. And I, I just binged the third season over the weekend and it's just, it really just, it's a heartwarming thing to watch in these troubling times we live in. So if, you, if you're interested at all, give it a bit of a try. Okay, good recommendation from Seth. Um, okay, I guess I'll do one as well then. Go ahead. Orville, I know. No, I have been playing a game called My Time at Porsche, uh, which is a, kind of like a Stardew Valley Harvest Moon, uh, but it's in 3D, and it's got a lot more emphasis on crafting rather than farming. You're not quite doing crops. You're more like setting up production chains and you know building stuff to fulfill commissions. Uh but it's really, it's just, it's just a cutesy, a very relaxing, totally fucking chill. There's no pressure, no time constraints really in the game at all. You can do, it's very forgiving. So it's just like a nice thing to chill out and fucking relax to. That's true. That's it has a good, like, Wind Waker type aesthetic and color palette to it. So it's just, it's just nice to look at. But I will say this, though. They did throw me for a loop when early on in the game, I was, like, digging around in the ground for stuff. And I find this CD. And I was like, hey, take it to the guy at the church. Take it to the guy at the church, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it is revealed to me that this game takes place in the future after the fucking apocalypse. And, like, humans invented horrible weapons that destroyed the world, and you are living in the fucking <laughs> the, the aftermath. This cutesy, like, fun little game. Oh, by the way, the world got fucked, and this is what's left. Damn. That's probably the most optimistic game you've played in a long time. 
No kidding, dude. My other game was Frostpunk. Uh, I'll talk about Frostpunk at another time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I think it's podcast, Seth. Yeah. Um, um, you can find so me yeah. on Twitter at Life of Seth. I'm on Twitter at MC Surf. Our theme song was done by Ben Powell. He's been on the show before. Check out his episodes. He has his own podcast called Southern Smackdown. They talk about wrestling and they're both from the South. So if you're into that, check it out. Hell yeah. Our art is done by Marcus Barkley, who cannot be found because he may or may not be real. Yes. Um, you can lead a horse water, but you can't get under it. Fuck First Reformed, Kevin Durant, and Tom Brady. We've stopped trying to solve our problems. We're trying to outlive them. And from New Orleans to New York. That's the Millennials Podcast, baby. We're out. Out. <laughs>